welcome to the Geek Night in episode 62. I'm your host Laura and I'm here this week with Tilly. Yay, hello. Hello, you're there eating chicken in the background of the show. It's very spicy chicken. Uh, we're also here with Gemma. And we're also here with Kate. Hello. It's a full house. This hasn't woo, happened woo, in a while. Me. It's good. We're all here. Who's got a geeky thing they want to start us all talking about this week? No one? Fine, I'll pick a geeky thing for us to start talking about this week. I don't know if either Kate or Gemma's seen it, but me and Tilly have seen Deadpool. Hmm. Do we want to... Okay. Um, no, I have not. I'm going to talk about Deadpool yeah. and then I'll hand it over to Tilly for if she agrees with me or not. Um, I went to see Deadpool thinking that I probably wouldn't like it, but that I should probably see it just to have like a reference point for how it compares to other media out there. Um, the only thing I knew going in was that there was a transphobic joke at some point made in the film. I was like, oh, this is a good, a good start. Um, putting that aside, I really like Deadpool as a film. It is by far the best of the Fox superhero films. It is a very well-paced um, comedy, romance, action film that manages to get all three of those in pretty equal parts done very well. The self-referential humour and the sort of like pop culture references are much more subtle and light-handed than I expected them to be. The level of violence is never gratuitous. It always sort of very much cuts away before anything anything ultra-violent is actually seen. It's all sort of very, like, implied and then within a second cut away so that you don't have to look at it. All in all, it was not the film I expected it to be. It was a very amusing, very well-paced film that was just a really rock-solid film. Now, on the topic of the transphobic joke, it exists. I've seen the film twice. Uh, that film, both times I saw it, was getting, like, laugh out loud laughs from the audience throughout nobody laughed at the transphobic film in either screening and it's just the joke absolutely feels out hmm. of place in the film and it falls flat with audiences and i'm like you know what i can kind of live with it there it's very quick and gone and the fact that i went to see it in the cinema twice and neither time did anyone laugh at it i was like that's that's a testament to the quality of the rest of the humour in that film and how lazy that one is. So, yeah, I really like Deadpool. Tilly, thoughts on Deadpool? Um, you got spicy chicken in your mouth. No, it's gone, but residual the spice, spice is still there. <laughs> um, I've been sat with my mouth open for, like, the whole time Laura's been talking, just like... <gasps> Occasionally you'll have the, the peanut sauce chicken. will be a bit spicy. And I'm a... I've never had, uh, like, Because I'm a complete weakling when it comes chicken. to spice. Like, the, I am such a white person. The smallest amount of, like, white, uh, of, of spice okay. and you're like, nope, this is too much, I'm out. Yeah, like, um, what's the... Um, at Nando's, you know you get, like, the lemon and herb that's, like, not spicy at all? That's too spicy yeah. for me. Yeah, I like <laughs> the lemon and herb one, though. Okay, I'm now. the same, actually, and it's mm. kind of a super taster so, thing I put it down to. Yeah. 
Because well, super taste is a really sensitive to spicy food. I can't have even like I, small um, amounts I of pepper and stuff. I lived with an Indian boy in my second year much. of uni. And um, he used to make us curries. And he'd be like, okay, I haven't put any spice in it for you. Like, I've had no spice. And I'd be like, okay. And I'd be sat there with like a two litre thing of milk, just like. Mm. So, yeah, thoughts on Deadpool? Uh, yeah, thoughts <laughs> on Deadpool. Um, it was not very <laughs> spicy. Uh, yeah, transphobic joke, sort of. I, you know, I was really into it. I was, like, enjoying... I, I like how, like, the transphobic joke. I was really into it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa, this is um, weird. No, like, the film. I was really into the film, and I was really, like, going with the flow, and I was enjoying it. And then it was, like, transphobic joke, and I was like, oh. Like, um, it sort of takes you out of the film, because thank- you're like, wait a second. Yeah. Thankfully, it moves very quickly past it, and it's, like, it's very much a... Oh, that woman's strong. Maybe she has a penis. Oh, and on we go. And it's like, ah, eh, it's, yeah. It's just like such it, an un- yeah. unnecessary. And the the weird, point is, if you try like, and complain about this online, watch. everyone's like, oh, well, Deadpool's character's an arsehole, so it's it's in character. I'm like, no, watch this movie. That joke really stands out because at no other point in this film does he make a crude joke at the expense of a minority group. Like, that is not a thing that this incarnation of Deadpool mm. does, other than this one just out-of-nowhere instance. I would, I mean, I've I've read some Deadpool comics. I've read, I think, Deadpool versus, oh, it's one of, like, the uh, zombie, there's, there's, there were zombies. Um, unfortunately, a lot of my comics are at my ex's house, and I will never get them back, so that, which, and some of them were Deadpool ones. But I don't remember him being explicitly like no, I'm gonna go out of my way and be spiteful and be nasty mm-hmm. and like an asshole. I think it's, that's it's very a very easy way to avoid say, criticism oh, that's his character. and like, it's like no usually kind of... his humour is crude but more intelligently crude because like there there are a couple of yeah. jokes because we were sort of talking after we saw the film today and we were like there are jokes in this that while crude are more intelligent than we inspe- expected them to be yeah, I definitely expected the humour to be more crass, like, more like uh, American Pie-type humour. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whereas, like, here, um, trying to avoid spoilers, there is a montage where there is, like, a new couple together have sex on a couple of different holidays, and one of them is International Women's Day. And it's basically like, hey, we're going to try something different, and they make a pretty amusing joke out of it. It's like, oh, that is a very female sex positive, crude sex joke you made. I was given free yeah. ice. I'm betting you didn't do what the woman ones. in this film did on International Ooh, Women's ice Day. Cream. I make my mouth uh, Yeah, there's probably ice cream in the freezer no, if you want to grab not. some. But yeah, Deadpool, better film than either of us were expecting. I let Laura go see it first so that I'd know whether or not it was oh. worth seeing. Yeah, because I went in basically expecting it to be the thing where I go in and see a film so that I can go on Twitter and be like, these are all the problems with AAA blockbusters in our movie industry. And I came out actually being like, oh, this was very clearly a high-budget fan project of love. It is someone who is clearly a... Like, you know when you watch those really good fan films of bits of media and you're like, that was really good. I wish it had had a full 90-minute runtime good casting and a high budget it feels like this is what that is for deadpool 
and he he makes a lot of like like comments like that one oh, about so um, there only being two X Men. Yes, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay? yes. she okay? Can you hear that? She does oh. that all night. No, 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 <laughs> no! It That's is not for you. It's the worst. I like me well, and Mum haven't slept properly. Put in her weeks. in a like soundproof a room and shut her in. Uh, well, it's because I think she has a friend who we've named Bagheera, but and I put Bagheera in the house to see what he was like, and Simba hissed at him, and therefore Mum was like, "They don't get on," and I was like. If you give them time, I'm sure they will get on, <laughs> and I would like so to now the now there's so. lots of sounds being made. Sludge was making that sound the other day when I gave her a bath. Yes. But, uh, yeah, the point you were making about Deadpool, before we got off track on your point. Uh, Sorry, the, we were talking yeah. about cats. I was it's, thinking about cats yeah. now. What? It, is, it is an oddly self-aware yeah, film when it's, yeah. like, it makes references to how the film was not given a high enough budget to have any more of the X-Men appear, and... Um, there's a lot of very self-awareness of the fact that the last time that uh, this actor was in a Fox-funded superhero film, it was Green Lantern, and it was not very good. He's like, yeah, if you're giving me a super suit, just make sure it's not green or animated. And it's it's pretty subtle and not too heavy-handed with that self-referential stuff. I thought it was good. I really enjoyed that film. I think like Ryan Reynolds yeah. has and... wanted to make that movie like for such a long oh. time. He absolutely loves it, and I yes. I don't have you guys seen X Men Origins? That disaster. No. He's he amazing is. in um, it. Him and Will. They, I they am do make some nice jabs at him not understanding which mom, or which continuity Fox is in at this point with X Men. It's like, oh yeah, which which of the uh, which of the Professor Xavier's are we getting? This actor or this actor? I'm like that. That stuff is quite quite ador- adorably oh, done. So. Yeah, Deadpool, good film. Who else has got things to talk about this week? Well, on the subject of uh, better than I thought it would be, um, basically having had flu for about two weeks, I <sighs> finally started watching okay. Avatar The Last Airbender. And I've... Okay. Uh, a season and a half, okay, so I'm so halfway through... Uh, you managed to get through the water and into the next sections. Okay, that is important to note. So, yeah, how are you getting on yes. with Avatar The Last Airbender? I have enjoyed it. I mean, it's it's surprisingly easy to watch back-to-back, which is quite mm-hmm. useful, considering I was basically useless for a few days. So I ended up watching just hours of this. Um, it's very much kind of in that it, very uh, much Saturday morning cartoon way, feel. Yeah. <laughs> I like it considering it's... Yeah, it's not particularly... Um, it doesn't demand much brain power. The action scenes are quite good. It's actually pretty nicely written as well. The characters are interesting. There's some good humor in it. Um, it's interesting with the the three protagonists because um, I'd have expected Ang to have more of the focus, but it actually turns out that his two companions, um, who are kind of there to help uh, the Avatar sort of realize who he is over the course of the series, um, they yeah, stand he's... out as much stronger characters than I would have expected, even though one of them doesn't yeah. he- even have um, like, is the MacGuffin, particular bending but powers. But it is definitely anything. an ensemble cast piece. Um... Yeah, and I've, I've really liked that, and I've also liked the um, the, the 
the parallels with kind of a, a, a genuinely interesting mm. antagonist in uh, Prince Zuko, considering he's he he would seem to be set up to tick a lot of stereotypes. So like he's he's trying to mm. uh, regain his reputation with his estranged father, and he has all this angst and stuff. But particularly through the uh, what I've seen in the second season so far. Events have conspired to actually test him and not in and not in a straightforward like, oh, I really have a heart of gold kind of thing. It's more like he is actually being he, tested he has and one discovering of my who he is. Arcs for any so villain in a piece of media. Oh, it's so good. His arc from season one onwards is very gradual <laughs> and he makes a very big change in character that's never like a sudden change. It's just he sort of he makes a lot of very understandable decisions that lead him to a different endpoint. In a very interesting way. Yeah. And what I like is, like, again, it could have just been box ticking. It could have been, because it usually happens that there's some sort of event happens and suddenly he no, turns they, good and that's it. But that doesn't happen. Yeah. They lay the groundwork from very early on for his changes in character to be natural and to have roots in things that took place earlier. Um, I'm curious, considering you're like halfway through the Earth season now, the show definitely takes sl- starts to take more of a turn for like the more serious after season one, because that first season, at least its first few episodes, mm. are very hard to sell people on. Like trying to convince your mum Tilly that mm-hmm. this was a, a show worth like getting invested in. It's like, oh, here's the first episode in which our hero has a Saturday morning cartoon adventure, riding with penguins and racing them across snow. <laughs> Yeah, my mum was and not very interested in that. Is she? How is she getting on with it? So she's actually getting into it now. Yeah, she's not a watching more. a lot of it because um, she can't. She's not very good at binge watching. Yeah. Um, but she has stuck with it. I think so. I haven't really heard about it for a few weeks. Actually, I should chase mm. that up. Yeah, but like once once you get into Earth, um, like the, the the story behind it is basically that they initially pitched the first season to be very like Nickelodeon kids show friendly. And once they'd like, oh, the first season went well and we got backing for three more seasons. Right. We are going to we are going to build up the like the aging and the tension to the point that like season four that Nickelodeon doesn't show reruns for. They showed it there once and they're like, nope, this is too grown up. We're not going to keep showing reruns of this. And it definitely gets quite dark by the last season. Um, particularly with like you, you know, Tilly, mm. the yes. the villain toward the end. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff gets quite dark, and um, the stuff with Upper as well. Oh goodness, yeah. Tales of Bossing say um, there is, yeah. Oh no. When there is an <laughs> episode la, 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 la. called the Tales <laughs> of Bossing say, uh, when you get to it, just Which I prepare been. yourself. Be prepared. Um, have you cry. have you met huh. Toph yet? <gasps> oh yes, Toph yeah, is the, the amazing. Toph is a blind who is awesome. protagonist who is like, how would you describe Toph? I'm Toph because it sounds like tough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is Toph. <laughs> well, she is a a girl from a privileged background who uh, she has the capability to manipulate Earth. She is an Earthbender. But she's also blind, and she was rather coddled by her family. 
what they didn't know was the extent to which she can use earthbending. Basically, like, as long she, as she's got she, her feet on the ground, she can see. Yeah, like she can't and see things that are like in the air, but like she this... can know like, I can see how you're shifting yourself and how you threw that based yeah. on the fact you're touching the ground. I can probably tell where this is going to come from. Thanks. Yeah, so she's a really capable fighter. Um, and in fact, it was like moonlighting on this um, fighting uh, tournament thing. Um, but yeah, she's, again, she's not quite ticking the stereotype boxes for like angsty, um, all-powerful kick-ass kind of thing. She's, she's also she, a really again, does funny have character depth. as well. Um, she has a lot of great humor. Yes, I I have, I've been impressed actually by a number of times mm. in which basically that jokes are cracked basically because yeah, the, the other people will go and hand her the map or something she's blind. and she's like, oh yes, I'll just use my eyes and check this map for you, soccer. Thank you. And he's like, oh, fine. Yeah. And it, it just feels totally natural. It's, and like, yeah, it's always done really in a respectful yeah, way. They're well. like, ha ha, you I, can't I, yeah. see. It, it's always ha ha ha, you're all idiots. You keep forgetting that she's blind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I love how that's contrasted with how capable she yeah. is once she's literally in her element. When she's manipulating Earth, she is um, oh, of course. Like far um, more powerful than any other You've never seen the, the, the M. Night Shyamalan movie of The Last Airbender, have you? No, I would okay. probably you, check it out You once only I've need seen to have seen the first season the to, to watch the, the movie. Um, here is what I'm, I'm going to tell you what the movie's like now that you have the, the show as a reference point. Imagine watching season one as a movie, but soccer doesn't get to have any comedy. He is strict of, soccer is strict of his comedy. Oh, um, <laughs> Ang and Katara are entirely just like played very deadpan with no emotional, like up and down. Um, Katara's really badass speech she gives in season one when she's on like the the ship with all the earthbenders and they're like we can't how are we going to escape um that speech gets taken away from her Mm. and given to Aang um and basically like Sokka without his humor Katara without any of the time she gets to be a badass like she loses her like big motivational speech for the for the earthbenders uh the end of season one she loses her like you know, at the end of season one, she like challenges the lead waterbender in the water tribe. And he's like, no, I'm a waterbending master. And she's like, I don't care. I'm going to beat you up. Uh, that... Yes. Yeah. Which is like an feminist, ultimate, all like, of the feminist, feminist hell yeah, hell yeah, yeah from her character. Yeah. And just, it is just two hours of plodding. <sighs> uh, it's also, on Netflix. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Also, they pronounce Ang as Ung, which annoys me no end. It's Ung. Ung, who is the last bender. They never say, like, uh, the elements. It's just Ung, the bender. I'm like, oh, go away. It's not a good film. You will not enjoy. I'm going to watch it, and then I'm going to come back on the podcast and be like, I don't know what you guys are on about. It's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. It it just strips at least Sokka and Katara (laughs) of any of the things that made them interesting and cool in the first season. I think it was a very, uh, very true adaptation. (laughs) Very true to the original movie. Aang Aang loses any of his moments of, like, emotional ups and downs and arcs. Like, he never has his moment of, oh, all of the airbenders are dead and I'm devastated. So, yeah, that's Avatar The Last Airbender chat. Um, 
Kate, you're getting a tattoo this week. <laughs> Tell us whoop, about your whoop, tattoo. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yes, yes, I am. Oh well, I, I well, I don't know. It's just it's a tattoo You're gonna have to on show my a tattoo thigh. Is your vagina? This is exciting <laughs> that it's on my thigh. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not actually. You is it on my vagina? I'm gonna be wearing a skirt. Yes. No. no why? Like, I'm ju- I'm doing this because before yeah. we started the podcast, Kate joked about the fact that it's like, oh, I'm doing it yeah, on my thigh. Sure. I'm gonna have to show the tattoo of my vagina. You made that joke. I have that bit of the call recorded. I can splice it in now. Oh, no. Um, Yes, I'm getting a tattoo. I've wanted a tattoo. I've I've always wanted to get tattoos, to be honest, when I was younger. Admittedly, when I was younger, like, I'm talking 10, the tattoos I wanted were hideous. Um, I used to want a yin-yang symbol. Because on you my lower back, special snowflake. Um. <laughs> yeah, I was like ten years old, and I remember thinking that would just be the shit. But no, I'm not getting that. Um, I'm getting the tattoo I wanted years ago. I was like, like two years ago, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get this tattoo in like six months, and then I was gonna get it for my twenty second birthday, and then I never got it. And I wish that I don't want to get it now. Mm-hmm. This other design, but I kind of wish I already had. Like, I wish it was on my body. So I'm going to get a smaller one first that I'm getting hopefully this week um, because I've got a new job, hooray, and other exciting things are happening. So I figured, why not get a tattoo? So it's going to be, I mean, you can just Google, like, Anne Boleyn necklace. But basically, Anne Boleyn, in a lot of the portraits of her, is wearing... There's a couple of necklaces, actually, that she wears. There's one that's... B, which is like the most famous one and it's like a B pendant with three pearls coming off it but she does also wear one that's A and I think there's one which is A and H for her and Henry and I like Anne Boleyn um I don't know whether <laughs> I'd like her if I met her she seems kind of terrifying to be honest but um in terms of sort of feminist history critique the way she has been viewed um both at the time and ongoing for like I didn't even know that Elizabeth like Queen Elizabeth was her daughter I didn't know that because like she uh, Queen Elizabeth downplayed it because Anne Boleyn obviously did not do so well in the end so I'm guessing it to kind of honor that <laughs> also my mom's name is Barbara so it's a me and I was mum doesn't really like tattoos <laughs> and I was my- like mum I'm getting it for you she <laughs> was like no you're not and I'm like is your name Barbara? Yes. Am I getting a tattoo with a B on it? Yes. I'm getting this tattoo for you. And which my my mum never liked uh, tattoos like either. She ultimately mom. paid yes. for my first tattoo. Uh, she was like, oh yeah, I want to, you know, get you something for, for, for Christmas. I got, this is, this is what I was going to spend. What do you want? And I was like, I kind of want to get a tattoo. And she was like, ooh. And I was like, no, I want to get, you know, these sort of pixelated hearts and they're not to do with any, from any specific thing, but I want to get them to celebrate, you know, how I'm working full time in games writing now. And my mum paid for my first tattoo. So that was cool. I do think like people always say about tattoos, like, oh, it's got to have meaning. But mm-hmm. I the think meaning that can is, be I like it. very so, subjective yeah. in terms of. Yeah, the meaning, mm-hmm. it's not like every, you could argue anything has meaning, like, but yeah. even if. It might be a time in your life, like, oh, you'll regret it, but you, even if you 
don't like the design that, in 20 years. That's the thing, years, is making remember, sure that like, you know, oh, like, will I be able to look back on this and know this is what was going on at the time and what, like, why I liked it at the time. And, like, just having a reminder of, like, I liked this thing yeah. so much I wanted it forever on my body. Yeah. Yes, essentially. So, and I feel very similar to Anne Boleyn in that we have both been unlucky in love and I, too, hope to bring around major socio-political <laughs> um, I still remember and economic change. I can see that. I, I still remember the first time that I saw a tattoo design and was like, oh, that's so cool. And it was when I was in my teens. And Tilly, you can now see this on the screen. Oh. It, yeah, it was uh, the the album art for Kill Hannah's album For Never and Ever. And it's like in the middle of the chest, it's like a a heart with a crosshairs over it. I will try and like send this to the chat so everyone else can see while we're doing the podcast. Here is a link but this was the first time i saw a tattoo design and was like yep i want that on me never did it on my benefit of listeners who aren't googling it's basically an iconographic heart with like a sniper sight over it right in the middle of the chest and on the album cover there's uh uh somebody's like pulling uh, blouse that was the first time I remember seeing a tattoo it. and being like, yeah. oh, that'd be fucking badass. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I knew someone in school who got fire. the uh, <laughs> Sasuke's curse mark from Naruto on their back shoulder when they were like, I don't think they were even 18 yet. They found somewhere to do it. Yeah. Oh, loads and loads of people in my school. It was like, oh, so-and-so's dad will do it for yeah. you. And his, then they just horrible. Good, and it was like, well, like, that was at the very least wait till the piece of media is entirely out so you know that you like are gonna be happy with that character it's like oh yeah i have the thing on my shoulder that that character who turned out to be a pedophile has (laughs) like just make sure you know the entire context (laughs) of the piece of media before you commit to it There was um some guy yeah. got a massive tattoo. Oh, it was yeah, like yeah. in the news, then, and he got this massive tattoo of Dumbledore on his. And he was a and huge then it transpired that Dumbledore was gay, and everyone was like, "Oh no!" And he, everyone was like, "Oh no, that poor guy!" And it's like, "Yeah, that poor guy," because he got a fucking <laughs> tattoo of an old man wizard on his back. Well, the, the guy <laughs> was mostly upset because he's like, do. "Oh no, now I have a homosexual <laughs> old man wizard on my uh, on my body, not just an old man wizard." <laughs> It's like, mate, the, the tattoo is ugly and it's sexuality of the character that it represents oh, does not I, change that your tattoo is ugly. Like, don't play J.K. Rowling's my friend was for that being about, an ugly um, tattoo. Uh, this girl tweeted Gerard Way, who Laura actually met about this time last year. Uh, yeah, it was just over a year ago. Yeah, um, but she tweeted Gerard Way and was like, if you draw something, I'll get, my, I'll get it tattooed on myself. And he drew like this really fucking stupid like. Oh my god! What was? <laughs> I don't remember. You told me about it, but I haven't seen it yet. It's like a fucking like really stupid turtle saying "I like shit" or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> she got it tattooed on herself. Uh, I was I was really <laughs> jealous um, when I saw Gerard Way last year. Um, the first the first tour date where I didn't get to meet him. Um, someone met him after the show, and he sort of like signed their arm. They went the next morning and got that tattooed over the signature. And I'm like, that's actually really cool. My like, hairdresser did that. that. Yeah, and 
I really like that idea of like I probably would have done that had it happened like if it had happened on the night where I got to go on stage with him I'd have probably got it tattooed and been like that was a moment in my life you should have like accosted him like Jared 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 I know well he had to he had to like uh, I wasn't at the time thinking let me like get into my bag and find a pen I was more I was more, there's 5,000 people watching yeah, me and Gerard really Way's right there and he just gave me a hug. What do I do? My brain wasn't working. I couldn't remember how to like walk and <laughs> hit the tambourine independently because there was a lot going on at that moment. <laughs> What's your question? I have a question. Just, we were, I was talking about J.K. Rowling and we were talking the other day about authority and canon. J.K. Rowling, is the, the new book... Uh, the new screenplay is being. Oh, okay, Cut I'm just going to I'm scared. No, I'm going to leave you stumbling. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. J.K. Rowling's yep. new screenplay, the, the Cursed Child or something? Cursed Child, because it's probably cursed with some stupid ass name that you thought of for a start. It's probably called Albus Leviticus. Fugula, like, uh, yeah, that's cursed. But also. Yeah, so the screenplay is being published into a book so she can make more money. And I've seen a lot of discussion, and I was curious to hear all of our thoughts on, like, she keeps retconning She keeps stuff. Well, adding, adding to canon that's, like, when asked by people when you Twitter. change stuff. Yeah, that's what I was Yeah, say. she's kind of George Lucasing at the moment. And in not only is is she kind of constantly making these things like, oh, this, this, and you're kind of like, all right, we get it, you're in charge. But also yeah. a lot of it is going, look at how diverse it's like, I am. oh, I never like, said Hermione well, was not white. Diverse, she is. Like... Well, which she does. There yeah, is a point like, where they oh, do well, reference her as white in one of the books. But I've, I've heard that, I've like, there was a lot of people being like, oh, well, it's her. never said that she's not, that she's not, that she has to be white. And then a bunch of people were like, no, look at this page in this book. It does describe her as, uh, as white. It describes her as pale. But in the American book, one of the yeah. characters is explicitly black Ooh, in the American version is... and not in the English version, which is really like... Yeah, Dean Thomas, who's played yeah. by the guy it's... from... Oh my goodness, yeah, that is him. Yeah. Yeah, um, and he had a massive um, storyline in The Deathly Hallows about how his mum, like about his parents and stuff, and he was going to be like this whole big deal and how his dad, who had left, um, like, because I think in the first book he says like, oh, I, my mum's um, a muggle, but my dad's must have been a wizard because like I just got the letter, like, but we assume he must have been a wizard. Um, and then... She and then J.K. Rowling said, but this was like literally just after Deathly Hallows came out. So in my view, it doesn't really count as, oh, I'm changing things or adding yeah. things. It was like this was going to be in the book, but then it got cut, um, which is I think is quite interesting given that the storyline about an explicitly black character gets cut. But it was going to be like that. It was going to be the storyline of how his dad was like a big deal in the kind of the resistance. And how Voldemort was like tracking him down because he was like really powerful. And then I, I will say in her defense in that, that book but it was already way cut. too long. Um, like no editor was telling her you need to shorten yes, this book. Yes, I mean book. to be. She, 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 
you definitely could have could have cut out some more of yeah. like the let's camp around the forest of fucking Dean and like let's actually <laughs> chill with Dean. So um because he's in the book and he's kind of shoehorned in, I felt like, oh okay, you had your whole storyline cut, but you're you're still hanging around anyway. Um, for not much reason. Okay, let, let's hang out. Come on, Dean. Come and chill. Um, but yeah, I generally, yeah. Doesn't he live with Bill yeah, for a while? Slash uh, General Hux. Yeah. Oh, that guy. What's his name? Dom. He is. He's I've everywhere seen, at the moment. He's been it's everywhere amazing. for a while, but I'm only just. But yeah, what do we it. think? Um, another thing I didn't notice until really recently. Um, what's the actor's name who plays um, Kylo Ren? in Star Wars. Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Adam Driver is in so many Adam really Driver. good sketches in a, a, for SNL. If you search SNL Adam Driver, there are some really funny comedy sketches involving him. Yeah, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Oh, was that Saturday yes. Night Live? Um, yeah. Okay. I didn't immediately get that. So is Yes, he is. Uh, there is a very good one, one called Porn Doctor. Oh, yeah, that one's good. Yeah, go, go look up Adam Driver Porn Doctor. It is very amusing. Um, but yeah, what what we think about J.K. Rowling retconning? I I think Potter. she can write whatever she she can say whatever she wants about like the world she's created. Um, particularly anything she writes in new books and plays and whatnot going forward has the authority of being canon uh, being canon. Ca- well, I was going to say canonically, canon. and I was like canonically what what like canon canonically canon. Um, I definitely feel like she is one of a few authors who does a lot of the sort of talking to people online and being like, well, this is what I think. But I think if you've not actually put it in a book, then it's, it's completely open for people to be like, I read all of the officially released material. You never referenced it. I don't consider it canon for myself. Yeah, and I, I want, think that's fair going. I want there to be like a Star Wars type situation where she sells Harry Potter and then she has to just leave it alone. Yeah. Where they're like, just take it away for fuck's sake. Stop fucking touching it. She can't stay on Twitter being like, well, Hogwarts has really bad sex education, but all of the wizarding kids, they just like get together and have like group masturbation sessions. That's a real thing she said. She did on Twitter. She talked on Twitter about no, the fact that not. apparently the wizarding world has really poor sex education, but the kids work it out by having group masturbation sessions. She did not say that. Let me find this, because I swear this was a thing that happened. I highly doubt this. I begin uh, to suspect that she's actually trolling at that point. There are very real questions I would I have about Harry Potter. For example, why in the fourth, um, in Goblet of Fire... Um, when they do the wand thing and the ghosts come out, they come out in the wrong order. That's what I want to know, first of all. I do not want to know who is having a wank. (laughs) Like, that is just not something I want to be involved with. And, like, the way she goes, oh, well, yeah, there is actually a a magic school in, like, in China, and there is actually a magic school in here. And it's like... You didn't think about it. Just admit that you were... You were, you didn't you didn't think about that like and yeah that is part of like privilege she was just thinking about like, like mainly white but just it. kind of like... British school system just admit it and be like yeah and there probably yeah, are other ones but them. that's not what I was writing I still feel like coming to her defense because I I am fully willing to believe that actually she does have this extended world law and that it 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 isn't in the books because you, like 
okay, there's a lot of stuff that it seems meaningless in the books, but conversely, I mean, you kind of need to pin the world down a little bit. She could well have written this stuff and just cut it so that basically children would get more on, e- more easily on board with the concept of wizarding itself rather than knowing what's going on in China as well. <laughs> I just, I think my a main issue I have with it yeah. is that it's all on Twitter as well. And I, I mean, I don't really use Pottermore, um, so I wouldn't be able to like definitively say, oh, well, actually she's done stuff on Pottermore because I know she did. And like a lot of the kind of roundup articles I've seen have got their sources from Pottermore. But um, she, it's just like, oh, he, she'll just like smash it out in 140 characters about like wizards smashing it out you know uh, i am looking <laughs> as, at it it was, in, it was apparently a faked set of tweets that i saw she has had to speak out about this i apologize oh, no! but there was a set of tweets that appeared to be from her that was circulating <laughs> okay. that was basically like yeah the wizarding world's really um conservative and they don't do sex ed but everyone works it out in their own way in the common rooms um but I that, believe it though. That's like, the thing I is, it's so believable in the context of the kind of thing that. she does talk about. Like, um, yeah, like here is the screenshot. It was, uh, does Hogwarts have sex ed classes? Unfortunately, no. Wizards tend to be a little more conservative with such things. Of course, like all teens, they fig- eventually figure things out and experiment with their sexuality. And there was a third one that was about group masturbation. So she does sometimes do it. Like she's she tweets about stuff like, oh yeah, there's LGBT people in the Harry Potter universe. Um, you know, and there there are Jews at Hogwarts, but like, oh, she I never she never did that. the tweet about sex ed. I'm very sorry to have misled you all. Oh, I'm so disappointed. I feel like I, I do actually want to cite The Simpsons in this as well because I feel it's actually relevant. There is the episode in which um, The Simpsons visit Britain and mm. Lisa encounters J.K. Rowling in the street. They have this thing where like because. J.K. Rowling played herself in this episode. Lisa is like bursting to ask her something, and she's like, "Yes, Harry." In the end of the books, Harry runs away, and the, <laughs> he chooses you for his forever love. The end, kind of thing. She gets a lot of this kind of thing, and this is why I've also believed I, that she I, maybe might troll a little bit. Says, with this like, sort yeah, of thing. it could well just be trolling. Um, I kind of prefer the way that Mark Hamill does it, where he's like, "I didn't create the character, but I don't like." I am all for you having this as your headcanon. Because Mark Hamill does this where people are like, uh, what do you think of the <laughs> idea of like um, gay or bisexual uh, Luke Skywalker or uh, the idea of trans Luke Skywalker? And he's like, I'm totally up for all these headcanons. None of them are not confirmed. I am all for it. Go right ahead. He endorses people's headcanons rather than saying that these things are actual canon. But the difference is that J.K. Rowling did create that canon. Yeah, and like that's the thing. She can create like what Mark, canon... And George Lucas yeah. like, retconned Star Wars constantly when it was Yes, there. and he entirely made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. And now whinges about yeah. it all the time. His Actually, pile of I, do want, I do want to make a bit of a defense to George Lucas for a recent thing. Um Okay, His yeah, I, I'm, I'm not saying I feel sorry for I him, but I do feel sorry for a certain situation he was in a little while back. Uh, you know when all the headlines were circulating that he'd said, um, yeah, the new owners of Star Wars are like white slave traders, like taking my, my possessions away or something. But he described them as being like slave owners taking Star Wars away from him. That was like one line in an hour and a half long interview, which if you watch the interview... 
the interviewer is clearly trying to push Lucas the entire time to say something provocative about the new owners. And he offhandedly says one line which he goes, uh, uh, and he like clearly tries to back out of. And that's the headline everyone saw. So a little bit of defense for Lucas. He was kind of trapped in that interview. Hmm. I was I not know, even I aware think, of that. I, I think there is a point where you could, I mean, if you know you're being baited and in that way and you are, I would imagine he has a very lengthy experience with media training. Like media training is weird. Um, I've seen people being media trained by PR companies. And I think because of that, it's very surprising that so many uh, celebrities do cock up. Because although, I mean, we've made slip of the tongues on this. I know I've made slip of the tongues on this podcast and gone, hang on, that's like completely not what I meant. Um, and like we do it in regular conversation. But I like to think that if I was in his position, I would either be slightly more careful about my word choice because I, I know that so many people are watching yeah. or just go, oh shit, that's, I mean, we've talked about this before, how it's well, very easy to in go, this, oh in shit, this that is not what I He does that, like, he ums and ums and he's like, uh, uh, no, what I mean is, and clarifies, and the problem is people just ran the headline of oh, okay. George Lucas thinks the new Star Wars owners are slave owners. And it's like, oh, that's really unfortunate because, you know, so there's a little bit of George Lucas defense. I very like that's not a thing people commonly do. Uh, yeah, what what else have we got to talk about this week? Um, yeah, me and Gemma have got Firewatch to talk about. Firewatch. Uh, yeah, we've been watching fires. Yeah, we've been, watching we've been fires. playing Little Inferno and watching fires. <laughs> yes. um, but no, I've yeah. Little Inferno. Do you, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Then other things about fires. Gemma, do you want to tell people what Firewatch is? <laughs> Sure. Um, it's one of these narrative-driven games, um, and it came out this week at the time of recording. Um, and it's thoroughly recommended. I, I very by much me, was a fan. Of it. I don't know. Maybe you hated it. Um, yeah, it's a very atmospheric thing, and it it starts off in kind of an interesting way. It's one of these games where you you it, definitely inhabit the character. It's not about you experiencing role playing. Or, <clears throat> hmm. And the, the protagonist, I won't go into details because a lot of the, the emotional impact is what makes the game worth playing. But uh, he has reasons, basically, for taking up the role of a yeah. fire it, lookout in the Shoshone yeah, Natural Forest. Basically, he's trying to run away from problems in, in his Wyoming. life. And he decides the best way to do that is, this is the 80s. Mm. I'm going to live in a wooden tower in the woods by myself. And basically just spend a few months looking out for fires, and if there's no fires, doing nothing. Yeah. And yeah, you, you inhabit that world, and it, it it speeds up for certain points, so you get like the highlights of his mm. tenure as a, a fire lookout. But yeah, it's, um, it's... it's a really beautiful thing. Um, a lot of the gameplay is simply like wandering around and exploring the world. It's, it's there is also a camera. Important to note, it's a disposable to, camera. Awesome. You have like 12, 15 shots and you're like, yep, yeah. that's how much film there is on this camera. Let's take nice photos and be aware of the limits of film. It is like the past. It's like the past. Yeah. 
I managed to um, when I was younger, I had a disposable camera. It was like my first camera. And we went to London for Easter um, and for Passover with my um, uh, father's side of the family who are Jewish. And we kind of did, I think we went to like Madame Tussauds, did some sites. And I had this disposable camera and my sister took loads of pictures with hers and they were really blurry. And mine were okay, but like some of them were a bit blurry or like, they just weren't that great and then one of the pictures I got was absolutely crystal clear and it's a 30 <laughs> mile an hour sign in London <laughs> and I still have it somewhere and because of that mum was like we'll get you a camera <gasps> for your birthday was it, was, and I had the I Fisher, had the Fisher Price, Price um, camera right yeah yeah candles oh I think I did as well I'll find a picture of it. And I used to take pictures. So, like, I took yeah. so many pictures with it that camera. It was a fantastic beginner's camera that was very good camera. at, like, avoiding issues with, like, shaking, causing blurring. It was definitely, like, this is a child's first decent-ish camera. Oh, yeah. I absolutely loved it. So, I, like, I know I was... I was like when I was born everything was obviously film um but then by the time I hit my teens it was all like digital stuff but I still loved and probably mm. took a lot better pictures with my film cameras you, than with you had um, to stop and take everything a uh, bit more like, I've done with, like a, a little bit more care with all the photos <sighs> yes I think and yeah like so, did you ever sometimes accidentally double expose them when when you went too my, far over. My favourite like, oh, memory, no, like one of my favourite memories of growing up still is, um, that that is the exact camera I had, by the way. Um, yeah, one of my favourite memories still of growing yeah, up was, um, because my mum works with the police, they have like, they had a dark room because at this point they were still using film for like work things. And like, I used mm. to come in on like a weekend evening when the, like most of the office was, was out and we would use the dark room and we would develop our photos ourselves in the dark room. And uh, such a good, such good memories developing photos. Um, but yeah, Firewatch. <laughs> well, it's it's all tied in because, of course, like the the game. The oh, only other thing I was going to say is that the soundtrack the, is gorgeous as well, and like really good yeah, sound and effects. The visuals so you get, as well. Like, the there is such beautiful use of like <clears throat> non-standard color pairings and. Uh, using 3D models in the foreground, but um, mm. parallax 2D objects in the background. It just has an absolutely gorgeous world to look at. Mm. And because you get this uh, disposable camera, you can take, like you say, a limited number of shots. You get the winding on sound effect as well. So a little click, 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 and then the, the click. It's all authentic as well. But what the game also lets you do, if you play on PC is uh, it will actually save your shots. And so in the credits yeah. of the game, it'll roll all your photos by, um, as well as anything else that was on the film. And afterwards, it will actually give you a URL, so you can actually get the photos it, it developed is, and It printed is a really nice memento. I love when like <laughs> so, photograph mementos are used in video games. Uh, there is a fantastic example of that in the um, Left Behind mm. DLC for The Last of Us, where there is a photo booth in that game. And the photos you take at the end, like, if you accept, like, yeah, I'll connect Facebook to the game, you get a strip of photos from this photo booth at the end. I'm like, oh, that's such a good memento. Mm. But, yeah, Firewatch is a really well-written yeah. and very well-acted. It's, what, three or four hours, probably? And it's just explore the mountainside, 
you know, talk through this whole uh, reason that you ran away from everything, unravel a bit of a mystery that's going on in the woods and have interactions with this other character who you've got on the other side of a radio in another tower. And I love it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a nicely realized world. The one thing I do want to chuck in is that it's actually gotten me posting to my Maps in Games project again. This is something that I actually did a Video Brains talk about at Nine Worlds. So if anybody remembers that. Um, but yeah, I, I collect uh, <clears throat> diegetic examples of maps inside game worlds. So not like UIs or anything. It's like if you've got a map on the wall or something. It has a very and good Firewatch map. Firewatch has working. a very good um, map. <laughs> one of my save files, the map just was either a black square or the uh, your current position marker was like leaving very large trails. So you couldn't see the map. But when that map's working, it's a fantastic map. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh no. I was also going to say that the main character of Firewatch is voiced by Rich Indeed, Sommer, who is one of the actors from Mad Men. Mm. So that there have been some quite nice Mad Men memes with like just like a single shot of this character like crying in Mad Men. <laughs> it like, is a fantastic one made game. Um, if anyone wants to hear more long form stuff on Firewatch that's a bit more spoilery, um, if you go to youtube.com slash Laura K Buzz, uh, cross promotion here, I did an hour and a bit long spoiler cast with the people from the Geek Remix YouTube channel where we basically talk for over an hour very spoilery about Firewatch because we had a lot of thoughts about that that we wanted to get very spoilery with. So yeah, hooray. Uh, anything else mm. anyone's done this week they want to talk about? What's Roots? I watched Roots. It's a 1977 miniseries um, that was broadcast in the United States, but also in the UK um about uh yes. well we watched it in school just to learn about the slave trade yeah, we did. but it, it it oh did you watch it too oh cool um and it's based on a novel called roots um by a guy called alex haley who uh traced his family history back about eight or nine generations to the first um person in his family to come over from africa to america as a slave um and he like obviously you know had a family and stuff and carried on and then it's yeah it goes right from this guy who's played by LeVar Burton um for the first two episodes um a man called he's like 18 in the show to start with called Kunta Kinte from um the Mandinka tribe in the Gambia and he is like kidnapped by slave traders and goes over and then like it goes right up until emancipation um, and like the KKK and stuff. And it's you, it's Kunta Kinte, he meets someone, then they have a daughter who has a son who has um, two sons and the two sons are like the last, then have children and then that's where it finishes. Um, like the, uh, the first mini series, which was like six episodes, I think, but it's, the mo- one of the most watched television shows um, in the history of American TV, um, apart from the Super Bowl, I think, or it's like up there alongside the Super Bowl. Um, and LeVar Burton hadn't done anything before, but it like sparked off a huge um, 
interest in genealogy especially with african-americans finding out their history and like it sparked off a lot of new conversations about the history of the united states and um, about the history of slavery and how it was viewed and um as you know i'm interested in how we view history so it was like really interesting for me to watch this is like the first um big mainstream exploration and discussion of um the slave trade and its impact on um america and american history and like you know just the people who live in america you know it's got it talks about like the civil war and it talks about like abraham lincoln and it talks about like big stuff but it's also about these people and how they navigate life and then you know it's about individuals as well as it's about this huge kind of saga um but it's like it you know won loads of awards and it's like we watched the first couple of episodes to learn about like the slave triangle and stuff in school and mum watched it when she when it was on she would have been like 13 um and so it was 13 pounds for like the whole series that came with documentaries and there's a there's one called there's roots and then there's roots the next generation which goes from i think like 1900 um up until alex haley um who's the guy who wrote the book and how he um finds out basically who um Kunta Kinte is because it's kind of like Kunta Kinte came over and he told his daughter like he was given um like a slave name but he told his daughter like no my name is Kunta Kinte and your name is Kizzy and that means um stay put and like this means this and like taught him bits and uh, taught her bits and bobs and then right up until the end they still remember that like they came over you know Kunta Kinte came over against his will and um I think Kumbi Belongo means river and there's another word which is the word for, for like a fiddle and that's all like this guy Alex Haley had to go on really that there was like the African they called him in their family and then he manages to kind of track it and gets all the way to the Gambia and he's like oh my god I you know I found you kind of thing um but yeah it's really good and it's a very interesting series with lots of oh it's them oh it's them like before <laughs> either before they were famous or at the peak of their fame um uh, especially lots of African-American actors where you're like oh and it's kind of the first thing maybe that they did because LeVar Burton had never done anything before um and he's absolutely incredible <laughs> in it and I was like oh I know him from Community <laughs> like I didn't I've never uh, seen not Star Trek yeah I've can, never seen him can I just I say that done, like, I maybe didn't know I love him. that you mentioned uh, LeVar Burton and uh the next generation and I was like Star Trek <laughs> yeah no, I don't think he's in. Uh, he's in like the first couple of episodes, and then rather, which was kind of weird. They rather than aging him up, um, which maybe maybe it just didn't look good with the makeup, or maybe he was busy. They had another actor, but a lot of the like between an episode, it, they will age like twenty years, and like you can see <laughs> how they've got loads of makeup on <laughs> to make these people look so like they literally painted on wrinkles because some of these actresses are, have gone from like one actress she goes from playing a sixteen year old right up to her like death at the age of like seventy <laughs> just through makeup. That, and it was that is some impressive like, a couple uh, of months. Range. Like, wow. That... Yes. And it it does work. Like the makeup, sometimes you can be like, okay, they've obviously painted on a wrinkle, but her character, like it's still her, obviously, and you can tell it's still her. But you watch their first kind of um, episode 
of her as like a 16 year old um girl and then you watch the like her final episodes when she's in like her 60s or 70s and it's like incredible the difference you can see how like her life of slavery has um changed her but then she's still got like the because her dad was Kunta Kinte she's like my dad wasn't always a slave he was born a free man and we're not supposed to be slaves like I should be free um but yeah it's basically really good and there's next generations and then there's a Christmas tv movie um called The Gift and a couple of other bits and like documentaries and um interviews and stuff on the disc Ooh, so we're very slowly making before we finish up it. this week Tilly, we very quickly mentioned uh, Little Inferno. Did you want to talk about that this week? I've been playing it. It's fun. What's Little Inferno? I've talked about it before. Well, for anyone who's just tuning in who's not, like, up to date, what's Little Inferno? It's a game where you burn stuff. Pyromania! Woo! Uh, Yeah, it's an interesting (laughs) game that does some, like... It does some meta-commentary stuff on, like... uh, microtransactions and in-app purchases in games but it also like it does a lot of talking about um the permanence of possession and like the ways we connect with other people through ownership and it lets you burn stuff so that's a fun game if you've never played it um it's really relaxing to just like you know drop stuff in a fireplace and set it on fire yeah it's really cathartic yeah and then it all goes into this big mystery by the end of it. And it's a good game. I'm a big fan of Little Inferno. So hooray with that. Is that a good place for us to wrap up for this week? Yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up here for this week then. So uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Geek Night In. Time to do self-promotion. Tilly, where can people find you and the things you're working on on the internet? Uh, you can find me... At Gathering Tilly on Twitter. You'll find my blog there. I don't post much on it. Uh, and I can't remember what it's called. So. Uh, and you can find me at patreon.com forward slash valence killer where you can, uh, speaking of retconning actually, I am currently redrafting the book that is available on there. So. Ooh. And Kate, what about you? Where can people find you on the internet? Um, I'm on Twitter at what Casey underscore did, where I tweet about history and it's cats. history, cats, um, and historical there's lots cats. Of cat pictures. And <laughs> yeah, I should maybe talk more about historical cats. To be honest, cats and history. Um. Oh, I have a Tumblr Hooray, too. And Gemma, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at Raygun Goth, where this weekend I'm almost certainly going to be live tweeting from Splash Jam, which is a game jam Ooh. on the coast of Norway up in the Arctic Circle. Whereabouts I am in hoping Norway, to see you? Northern Lights. I'll have to see. Uh, well, I'll be going um, from Tromsø to Trondheim, uh, both of which are more northerly than Stockholm, so that's all exciting. Um, you can also find me on the Diversity Podcast, which has finished recording its first season now. Um, you can find that on diversity.nu. Uh, which, uh, diversity is like diversity. <laughs> and but with then the you can find me at off. Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter. Laura K. Buzz on Patreon. Laura K. Buzz on YouTube. Laura K. Buzz on Twitch. Laura K. Buzz.com. Laura K. Buzz. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll have another episode for you all again next week. 
Bye. Bye.